Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode number 68. My name is Delton. I'll be your host this evening. And with me today is the co-host with the damn hiccups as we're trying to do silence and get prepped for the podcast, <laughs> and they won't stop. I can't help it. I'm growing. <laughs> She's had the hiccups for like 15 minutes, and it's the most annoying thing because we tried to record, and, and she didn't have them. I came back here with beer and set the game up and got everything ready. And then she walks in and she's like, I don't know where these hiccups came from. And then that's where we are today. I tried so hard to get rid of them, but I don't know how like you can eat bread. You can drink water upside uh, down. But really, it's a, it's a chest muscle. It's a chest muscle spasm. I can just punch you in the chest. <laughs> That wouldn't work. Multiple rapid fire times, like a massage. Work. It's not a massage. Oh, okay. It's a muscle spasm, and so you're just going to have to go with it, like become one with the hiccup. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> Would you rather I have the hiccups or you have the hiccups? What's worse? You, because my hiccups are so loud and obnoxious, <laughs> but I also hate yours because they don't stop. And I also it's only get. It's 15 minutes. I'm growing. I also get angry when I get the hiccups because they won't stop. Like, it frustrates me so much. Have you seen the guy who, had, who has had the hiccups for about 75 years? Yeah, it's depressing. Oh, God. Can like, you imagine? I don't think I could do it. I don't. So, you just need some muscle relaxers, man. And Maybe so. Jesus. I'll you should go raid the, the pill cabinet and <laughs> see if we've got anything like that. You make it sound away. really bad. We really have Tylenol and like three different allergy meds. I mean, that's true. We have like, that's like the an anti-inflammatory that we have some leftovers on, but yes, that's it. Yes, we have an anti-inflammatory. That's it. it. That's Making true. Making it sound like we have a whole like cabinet full of narcotics. Of just <laughs> prescription pills. <laughs> if it wasn't like prescription allergy meds, like you said. That's, that's, that's it, true. It's allergy meds. I have one thing of antibiotics. Oh, that's true. Yeah, getting fancy. My goodness. Well... Welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. We are a podcast all about board games, tabletop games, card games, role-playing games, and things of that sort. Like hiccups. Like hiccups. It's a game of life. And if you want to continue, today we're drinking a beer because we drink beer on every, most every episode. It's, Except the last episode, we drank coffee. That's true. That's the malt and malt house. Uh, this beer, I'm going to go ahead and get into the beer because I think that might help you having something to drink. <laughs> Who knows? I, I don't it. know. It's driving me crazy. I know, I know, I know. It sucks. So we have had Rough Tales I Polar... I sound like a sud. A sud? Yeah. What's a sud? A ship? A sud? Uh, Some soap? It's someone who drinks a lot. Oh. You ever heard of the term sud? No. Like an old sud? Nope. Someone who drinks a lot. Okay. Anyway. Like the drunk and the Aristocats. We have had Rough Tail Brewing Co.'s Polar Eclipse on the show before. I believe we had the Rum Barrel Aged version. This, it's an imperial stout. Uh, this one is the apple brandy barrel aged. Now, I don't have an alcohol percentage. It's probably the same as the last ones. I think this beer comes in, what was it, maybe seven or eight? Or is probably it higher? Seven. It was $10 for a can, so it better be worth a lot, lot of bang for a buck. It was because it was aged. Feel free to tweet at me some hicc hiccups remedies because I get the hiccups all the stinking time and I have not grown an inch since junior year in high school, so I know that it is false. The hiccups mean that you are growing. My grandma lied to me. And that way, too, that if this happens again and your remedies don't work, it'll be a solo show with just me. I can just roll out right now. 
I'm just, bye. Bye. <laughs> I came up with the topic and the question of the episode. Thank you very much. You I actually picked vital. the game, too. <laughs> I did. Right, beers in hand. Apple brandy beer. Beer with the head, with the head. It's so good, and that's what I said, I said. I don't have any clue what that is, but take a drink before you do anything else. Don't even speak. Just take a drink and hope that something helps with these stupid hiccups. Oh, my God. Our listeners are just going to, this is it. They said, you know, it's been a good 68 episode run. I poured beer all over my Take a drink. Blanket. Take a drink. She's hiccuping. She's hiccuping and shaking her beer out of the glass because she's hiccuping. My whole body, take, like, Take a drink. Don't, don't talk. Take a drink. Quit talking. There you go. Mm. Mm. The whole time you're supposed to take a drink to try to help relieve it, and then you're talking through <laughs> instead I of have drinking. beer all over my $4 Walmart lo- llama blankie. Well, the hiccups are still there. Welcome. I got a hard life. Our, our, our listeners are going to say it's been a good 68-episode run, but we have to stop here. They have to... Continue on to episode 69. It's if, a communist episode. If this is your performance this episode, I think they're going to be very turned off by episode 69. I'm sure there's a whole realm of the internet that's dedicated to looking for hiccups. Probably. Am I wrong? There's a side of the internet for everything. Google though. it. Don't Google it. <laughs> Immediately. All right. How's, so the beer's black as night. You cannot see through it. It's very dark. It tastes like an apple pie. Smell it though. It has a funkiness to the smell. It's probably because it was a brandy barrel, even though it was an apple brandy. I'm really sad I got beer all over my llama blankie. It's a dark beer too. <laughs> it's it'll wash out. And if it doesn't, we'll buy a new four dollar blanket. <laughs> the smell has apples to it for sure. I can smell the malt. You told me I'm not allowed to smell it. I know. This time you had to just take a drink. Now I want you to chug it to see if it gets rid of the hiccups. <laughs> this is gonna be a fun episode. <laughs> that wasn't even a word. It was a, it was a pause. You had a glottal stop, basically. So I'm taking a drink now to see what it tastes like. And you're going to develop the hiccups now. Uh. It's very sweet. It does have a little bit of the, like, alcoholy taste, an ethanol taste without the burn, though, on the back end. It tastes like a caramel apple pie. There is that, like, caramely bit with the Imperial Stout, I think. Uh. Every time I take a drink, it's like, it's weird because it, it's sweeter than I want it to be. You know what I mean? It's like a weird thing. It's like when it's you... It's sweeter than you're expecting. And that's probably it, too. Uh, it's very good, but it is. It's very, very sweet and very rich tasting. It's very full. And so it's not something you could take, take like a big drink of several times quickly. But it is something that will stain a llama blanket. It's a very good beer, though. Like, I already like Rough Tales Polar Eclipse. And the rum barrel aged one was really good. And this is apple brandy barrel. And it's pretty good. I would say I think I like the rum barrel and the original more than this one. See, I disagree. This one's been my favorite so far of the Polar Eclipse. It's good. Just for me, it's not, it's not as good as the others. And I think it's because it's so sweet. It's been a while since we've had Rough Tail on because we had the uh, white whale kit. <laughs> Sorry. The... Uh... Yeah, oh, was the whale hunter. Oklahoma Craft Beer Festival. Mm-hmm. We bought the whale hunter kit. Yep. And that has lasted us for about a month and a half now. 24 beers. I think so. Which is pretty good. Yep. I think. It really was. But it was worth the investment. But this is the first time we've had a rough tail on. Probably about six weeks now. So probably three episodes. It's been a while, yeah. And this is the first time I've had hiccups in probably about six months. It's the first time you've ever had hiccups on the show. <laughs> there you You're go. You're welcome, America. But yes, we have this beer. 
we haven't done a lot in the past two weeks. What are you talking about? We haven't done a lot. You just have messed with your garden some more? No, no, no. We streamed last night? First of all, Lil Lake and Bake came to visit for the first time in about four months. That was more than two weeks ago. But I haven't talked about it yet. Okay. <laughs> yes, we got to see Lake and the niece. Lil Lake and Bake, she was three years old, and we took her out to the front yard to the driveway to do some drawing and some chalk. And she's like, I want a kitty. So I drew her a kitty. And she's like, hey, hey, hey. And I was like, what? She's like, I want you to draw me a butt crack. So you know what I did? You drew a butt crack. I drew a butt crack. And you know what she did? What? She laughed her little butt off, her little three-year-old butt off. And she said, hey, 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 another butt crack. So I drew, you know what I drew? Like 17 more butt cracks I drew all like over her driveway. 17 more butt cracks. I even taught her how to draw little poots coming out of the butt of the butt cracks. And she just rolled with laughter. And it was the most delightful thing I've ever seen in my life. I love her so much. Oh, my God. But I just have never seen so much joy in someone saying butt crack. Yeah, draw me a butt crack. Here you go. It's a butt crack. Draw me a butt crack. Hey, hey, hey. Ah, ha, 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 ha. A butt crack. She <laughs> is a toot, but she's fun. She is the most fun three-year-old I've ever met. I met a lot of three-year-olds. Okay. I'm hip in the three-year-old scene. <laughs> That's what it just like sounds Paw weird. Patrol. They like Blue's Clues, which now gets emails instead of letters. Oh, that's weird. I am all up in what is hip and cool for three-year-olds. You're caught up now. I'm caught up, and Lakin is the coolest three-year-old, I just have to say. Well, hey, that works. She likes Vampirina, Paw Patrol, and she likes her Crocs. Oh, gosh. Poor kid wearing Crocs around. Oh, she rocks her Crocs. If you're not a Crocin', you're not a rockin'. You know what they say. That's terrible. That's terrible. She has Crocs with little like rainbows and L's and pizzas stuck oh in them. Oh my gosh. It's adorable. It's horrible. It's I wonderful. I don't, I don't like it. And I will draw her a butt crack anytime she likes. I'm sure you will. Well, is there anything else we've done in the past two weeks that is noteworthy? Haley's giving me a, a look because she grew vegetables that have been growing for months. I grew what? In the microphone for the viewers, the listeners. I grew what? She grew all her vegetables that have been growing, but she picked some potatoes. I have unearthed some potatoes oh God. that I grew from a one Aldi potato. I had to pull up a plant to see if we were actually being productive this season. And by God, I grew potatoes. There is not a speck of green on those potatoes. I covered those tubulars so well. They're the most glorious potatoes I've ever seen, and they were delightful when I fried them earlier. They were very good. They tasted like potatoes. There was nothing wrong with them. So good job on that. They were white as snow. They're just tiny. Not a green on them at all. Not even a brown spot on them. Nope. We just got to wait now until they get full size. Hopefully the other ones do. They were like new potato size. By God, they were good. They were really, really good. But aside from that, we have just played a few games and saw a few friends. And I think that's basically been our last two weeks. It's still fairly quiet with everything going on. Yeah, we've had our friend Kyle over, and our friend Allison will come over on Monday. Yeah. Number one fan, Allison. Speaking of which. Might as well do the Patreon shoutouts before we get going. So thank you to everyone who backs at a level in which you get a Patreon shoutout. That is Allison, Alan, Jesse, and Catherine. Thank you Woo! all so much for sh supporting, supporting the show with your very kind and generous monetary donation. 
If you want to be like them, you can go to patreon.com slash malthousegames, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. They also give a great time donation as well. What? They give a good time donation. I mean, Alan has dedicated his time to the podcast. So has Allison. Allison's listened to almost all the episodes. Allison and Jesse and Catherine have also joined us on Twitch, which is on Friday nights from 730 to 930-ish, depending on how sleepy we are. Yep, 930 to 10 usually. So thank you guys so much, not only for your monetary contribution to our podcast, but your time and your support. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you all very much. With that being said, let's talk about one of these games we've played. Oh, here's the door. Uh, it's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So this game is one that Delton's mom bought him at a garage sale for $20. Because he had already spent all of his fun budget money. And he's a mama's boy. And they wouldn't take less. So today, the game of this episode is Raw. Raw, uh, the version that we have, is put out through Uberplay. This is the 2005 edition. So this is an older older edition of the game. There is a newer version. I believe it's out through Fantasy Flight that's much nicer. The designer of the game is Reiner Knizia, Dr. Reiner Knizia. The artwork is Franz, uh, looks like Fovinkel. And then the layout is Allison Klein. Not to be confused with raw, 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 ah, ah. Correct. Not to be confused. This is raw as in uh, one of the Egyptian gods. Not the Lady Gaga song, as much as we would like it to be. Okay. So, Raw has been around a long time. I want to say it was originally designed in like 1999 or something. Oh, wow. And this is the 2005 Uber Play. It's older. The rule book is not great. Uh, it gets the job done, but I had to look up a few <laughs> things to clarify. Uh, one of the biggest things is the rule book only has the designer's name and does not have the artist and everything. That was on the back of the box. So, that's one thing I've noticed with newer games is they list out the credits for people a lot better. So, I like that. Um, this just has the designer, but raw is a game all about trying to come out with the most points at the end, doing so by betting and having auctions on tiles and collecting those tiles to do different types of set collection. And that's how the game will function. It's a game for three to five players. And the basic way it's going to work is on your turn, you can either add a tile to the auction row. There's a row that's a limited number that can fill up with auction tiles. If it ever fills up, you have to have an auction. You can either add a tile to that. You can use a special god tile if you have one, which just allows you to take a tile from the auction row for free. Or you can uh, elect to start an auction. And those are the three simple things you do on your turn. The different types of tiles have different ways of scoring in a basic set collection manner. You know, uh, if you have four different types of this color of tile, the green ones or something, then, or I think it was the gray. If you have three or four different types of the gray ones, you get X amount of points. If you have five or six different types, you get X amount of points and things like that. There's monuments and all these different ways to earn more points in the game. But the interesting thing about the game and the the way it really starts to show what it was designed for because set collections in a lot of different games we like set collection i enjoy it Mm -hmm. but this game uses that auction and betting style to with a little push your luck i would say kind of uh to really bring out i don't know the 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 game just kind of opens up but what it is is you have four i guess in a three-player game you have four sons in front of you 
those suns are uh, four different values. So like, like one player... sun in the sky, not sun in yes. the spawn. Yes. Uh, like little yellow disks, basically. On those disks, those suns, uh, you'll have different values. So like one player had like a two, a five, a seven, and a 13. Side note, hiccups are gone. Good. I'm glad. It just I guess you just had to shut up. Hey! Oh, I just got the look. There it was. That was a good one. You have to admit, that was perfect. Next episode is going to be hosted by Haley Twyman Brack because Delton Brack is going to be... Dead? In the garden? Sleeping with the fishes? Wait and see. Tune in next time to find (laughs) out. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, uh, the thing about the auctions with uh, with those sons, what it is is as long as you have a son active, you may take a turn. The way those suns go away is when an auction happens, you bet with those suns in front of you of the four different values in this game, in the three-player three game at least. And so if I start an auction and I say, okay, I'm starting an auction on my turn, I will get to bet last so I can try to ensure a win if nobody else wants it. So let's say uh, the player to my left plays a, a four value, the player after them plays an eight value, and it comes to me, if I play a higher value than eight, so let's say a nine value sun, I would win that auction. There is always a sun on the board itself by the auction row. In the very beginning, it's the uh, number one. When you win an auction, your tile, so in this case, I would have won with a tile that was valued of, did I say eight or nine? <laughs> I wasn't paying I think attention. I said nine. <laughs> if I were to win that auction with a, a, a sun tile valued of nine, I would actually put it in the center of the board above the auction row, and I would take that one value sun and flip it face down in front of me, showing I have won one of the potential four auctions I could win for this round of play. I would take all the auction tiles that I won, you know, do anything with them that I have to, because there are some negatives that take away tiles you want, put them in front of you, and then the game continues. So... I took a value eight sun that means, you know, the, I think the total value in the game in like a max player game only goes to 15 on the suns. So an eight's kind of like a good middle ground. In a three player game, it was 13. The value, oh yeah, the value's, oh, okay, sorry. I yeah. was going to say on the three player, the value only goes to 13. Yeah, and so an eight's like pretty good, but now I've just traded it into the center of the board and I've taken a one in its place for the next round. Let's say the play continues and somebody else wins a bet and they win a bet with a, let's say, a 12. That 12 now goes on the board, and they take the original, like, 9 or 8, whatever tile I put in the middle, and that goes to them. Then somebody else wins, and they take that 12, and they'll have it for the next round. So part of what makes this game interesting to me is in that betting, you're actually losing the value of the token and getting a different one. So sometimes you can start an auction for a single tile Make sure nobody wants it and trade in your low value two for like a high value 10 of the suns. And that way, the next round, you know that you're going to have a winning chip, a winning sun. So it's kind of a weird thing. It's like your money's fixed what you bet with. But if you use your $5 bill and get a $1 bill, you only have that $1 bill to bet with for one of the bets. So it's just an interesting strategy that starts to come out. And like you want to win these auctions and gain these tiles that are in the auction row to make sure you have your sets that you can get more points, but it also matters what sun that you're winning from the center of the board. So that's like a really, really interesting thing to me. I really like the the betting aspect. I really like the 
um, you, you're having to size up your opponents because it's all open information. Like you can see what everybody has. You can see how many uh, tiles they have in one set or another. You can see uh, what options they have left for um, betting. And so I really like that. So there's one point where I waited until you and you had used all of your betting powers. Kyla had one left and I still had three. I just kind of waited until everybody was done betting. That way, whenever tiles come up, I can just bet, 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 bet. And I love that. It is interesting because the round goes until everyone is out of the ability to play. So if one player is the only one with active sons that they can use to bet, they can just fill up the auction row and then flip their son over, or not flip it, but start an auction and automatically win the auction. I really like this game because it forces bets as mm-hmm. well as it gives you opportunity to choose when you're going to bet. Because you can bet on just one tile, or you can wait until you are forced to bet by drawing the right raw tiles. Yeah, so you can either, if the auction row fills up, then you have to have an auction. Uh, there was a rule we were kind of unclear if it was the person who puts the last auction tile, or if someone goes to draw a new auction tile. We couldn't find clarification on that. But if the auction row fills up, it forces a an auction round. However. You can also draw a raw tile from the bag, and a raw tile, no matter how many tiles are in the auction row, it will force an auction to happen. If the raw row, it's a separate row that you keep all the raw tiles in, if the raw row, raw row. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Scooby-Doo. If, if the row of raw tiles ever fills up, it Ruh-oh. immediately ends the round, and there are only three rounds in this game. So, as you play in the game, the tiles that you are drawing, Um, like the raw tiles that come out, any tiles that get removed, things like that, all come out of the game. So the longer the game goes, then the the more like chances of drawing these raw tiles it becomes. It's like the last 15 minutes of the game, every other turn was a raw tile. It just went so fast in that third round. The game took like an hour and 20, hour and 30 to play? Uh, I don't think it was that long. It was actually only one hour. Really? On the nose? An hour and one minute. Wow. Yeah, that's not including rules explanation, but that is including time that we stopped to look up rules. So it really didn't take that long, and that was with us learning and not knowing what to do. And I will say the hard part about this game, and maybe the new version with a newer rulebook, newer graphic design, things like that would be easier. The hard part about this game was understanding how everything's going to happen. Because you score at the end of every round, and there's only three rounds, and then there's like two specific ways to score that only happen at the end of the game. And it was a little confusing. We were all kind of figuring out like how to approach it. What do we need? What do we not? What's valuable? What's not valuable? And now that we've played it, I feel like if we played it again, it would be a completely different experience. Like I won the game, but even I would approach the game with a different kind of strategy. Yeah. Like I went for collecting a lot of the monuments. What are they? Monuments or mm-hmm. uh, buildings, whatever they're called. They're, I think they're called monuments. monuments. And so like, I'm really glad that I invested in that because that's what carried me throughout the game. But looking back, I would really have diversified my experience a little more. I think so. And I think that's how this game's going to be. It's just, it's different. I haven't had a game that combines auction and set collection in the same manner, if at all. It's auction, but it's also betting in a way. Like, I wouldn't necessarily call it auction because it doesn't go around again and again and again. It's just a one-time. It's a one-time thing, so you kind of have to bet. Like, you're going to put all of your stuff out there. Like, if, if I were to, there are like five tiles out there, and I really wanted one, and I, I have to decide, do I want to go for the big guns, like put out my 13 sun, and think that 
Delton or Kyle are not going to try and beat me? Or am I going to like put up my 13 son and think that Delton's going to put out a two and Kyle's just going to pass. So I'm wasting my 13 son on nothing. Like you're having to evaluate not only your own board, but the board to the other players because it's all open information. And you have to bet based off of that. The betting in this game really is like kind of unique. And it is definitely what drives this game is how long can I keep going? What do I find most valuable? And then how am I going to utilize my betting to either force players to get rid of their good like chips or not? But all in all, I think it's a really cool game. It's very unique. I would not say it's my favorite. It's not 100% for me, but I did enjoy it very much. I had a fun time with our play, and I think playing it again now with a better understanding of the rules, I would probably like it more. See, I really like the game. It was This is probably one of my new favorites. But you know me, I really like uh, the human and the chance element of betting games. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic for today is betting in games. It's not something that happens a lot, I feel like, in the board game world, and maybe it does. Uh, it, It just might be a genre or style of game that I'm not as exposed to. But in playing Raw, it really made us think about betting and how that mechanic is utilized. And as Haley was saying, you know, uh, the thing we like about Raw is you can see what everyone has available, you know, exactly the numbers they have. And, you know, you can put down a six in hopes that someone plays their eight to win. That way you can come back and play a seven and they won't have their eight. Like there's that kind of strategy. That's what I love. I love to see that, okay, I see that Kyle or Delton is collecting the workers. I see he's collecting the workers. Well, I'm going to push this bet up to a nine because I see that Delton has a 10 because he really needs those workers. So I'm going to try and make him use his 10 early because if he uses his 10, if he beats my number, I get it back. So I love the human element of the betting. And there's lots of games and board games that use betting. I can't think of many though. Do you have any right off hand? So Felicity, the cat in the sack. Yeah. No thanks. Uh, I don't think no thanks is actually betting though. Because you you just pay a thing when you don't want it. But you're kind of pressing I, your luck there. I would call that are. betting. It's I guess it could be considered that maybe. It's just a little different than the traditional outlook on it. And then kind of that's not lemonade too. You're betting that the other players aren't going to uh, continue. I think that would be, for me, crossing the line into just press your luck. Because to me, there's a line between betting and press your luck games, I do feel like they go kind of hand in hand. Kind of tell me about that. I feel like in all betting games, all games that uh, require, you know, haggling or competing bets like that, you're pressing your luck to see what your opponent's going to do. But the difference being between something like that's not lemonade, where you're just hoping for it in an actual betting game, you're putting something on the line. So like the Sheriff Nottingham. Um... Sheriff of Nottingham. You're paying money to the sheriff to see if they will let your goods slide, but you don't know if they're going to do that. You don't know if your bet's good enough. I guess you could kind of say that. I don't know. That's another one, because that one, Sheriff of Nottingham, is more of a bluffing game, and you're just bribing people, but it's like, is my bribe enough? But you're not competing with others. It's bluffing and it's bribing, but your bribe has to be good enough to sway the Sheriff of Nottingham. Yes. And so, like, your, your Sheriff of Nottingham can, can kind of, like, just take your bet, or he can be like, 
no, I'm not going to take it at all. So you don't like you, you have to put your bet out there and feel like, okay, is this enough to sway him and enough to not make me go broke? Or is this uh, too little to sway him and I'm just going to lose seven pounds or whatever? So here's my counter as to why I wouldn't call that betting. Why is that? I feel like the another difference is something like that, you're just bribing one person trying to sway them where betting is competing with others that are betting the same type of currency. See, I would still call that betting. Like even even though it's it's not in a traditional game situation, you're still betting that that person is going to take your bribe or else you're going to lose your money. I think the difference lies with a person deciding it versus the numbers. So right? everyone on Twitter, let us know, is this yeah. betting? <laughs> It's hard because, you know, normally we see betting is you're putting money on something and see if it's going to happen. So it's hard to say because that one is you're, I'm giving you money. Is this enough for you to let me slide? I don't know. That's like a different viewpoint that I don't have, but I could see it like at the same time. So it's kind of a weird one, but like, what's a more traditional betting game? Cause I feel like we're getting way out there. <laughs> what's an actual betting, betting game? Slot well, machines. I mean, obviously you've got, those but you've got like poker where you're betting money to, to play the odds and see what happens on the table you've got blackjack different new standard poker things yeah see i i think that the betting and the pressure look are similar don't get me wrong but i feel like the the betting kind of goes a little more further than the pressure look like you're you're have you, you have the potential to lose a lot more yeah i could see that like in a and that's not lemonade you could lose everything in that like you're you're betting that by by taking this next card that you're going to win or you're going to lose like pressure luck is one thing but like betting is okay i'm putting my entire self out there what can i win what can i lose what are the chances i don't know for me there's a big disconnect there still between calling that betting and calling that pressing your luck because i know they go together and they work together but i feel like there's a point to where it's too far to one side that the other's not considered Okay. Because I guess in my point of view is you can you can bet on something by putting money on it and trying to win against the odds of something happening or not. Then you can bet that something's not going to happen by just hoping it won't happen. I don't know. Like I'm I think that's kind of the same I'm gonna, thing. I'm, I'm going to drive to work today and bet that my brakes don't go out. Like right. That's one viewpoint. The other viewpoint is I'm going to put money down to say that today my bet brakes are going to go out. And I feel like there's a difference there. For the sheer fact of there's a currency involved. I feel like that's the thing that I focus on with anything betting. Okay. Is there has to be something you're putting on the line, not just winning or losing. See, I'm the opposite. I'm like, yeah. it's it's a win or lose. It's a, uh, I get points, I lose points. And so for me, I don't just assign the currency, I assign the points part. That makes sense, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like there's a big disconnect between our versions of it, of betting. This is just like our conversation earlier on encryption versus passwords. I was trying so hard to understand what in the hell encryptions were. And it took Delton like four times explaining it and me getting on the Reddit thread, explain it to me like I'm five. And I still didn't get it. I still did not get it. I tried so hard. That just took finding the exact correct method of exp explanation and also understanding for me to help explain. This is like a metaphor for life, man. We're both on the same page, but we just take some different ways to explain it to each other. We're on, we're on the same field, just opposite end zones for sports fans. And the same book, but in different chapters. Different pages. Mm. Different covers, because we're still connected, but we're on opposite sides. First edition, second edition. Oh, I was thinking front and back, page, front and back cover. Oh, that'll work. Anyway, 
I think most people, hint, hint, the listeners, are going to understand and think about betting as putting money on the line. So in Raw, you're putting your son on the line, trying to win not only auction tiles, but another son that can modify things and playing off their opponents too. Like Felicity Cat in a sack. Yes, where you're actually going to be betting on cards, hoping that the cards in that row that you're going to flip over and take are good and not bad. So, in things like strike, is that betting or is that pressure luck? I think strike is just a pressure luck game. Because it's all roll of the dice. There's nothing on the line except for I'm out. So, let's say that we play um, Russian roulette, like the... Or not Russian roulette, sorry. Just roulette, regular roulette. Not like the gun version, but like the spinny version. <laughs> yes. So it is pressure luck if there's no money involved, but betting if there's money involved. Yes, because... Okay, that's where you're coming from. I'm coming from, if you put something on the line, I'm putting a bet that this is going to happen over this. If I just spin it and say, I think it's going to be red, cool, but you're not betting anything on it. You're not putting anything on it. So you're saying that we can make any board game of ours a betting game. Yes, you can make... Here's the, here's the thing. You have to... To me, betting goes in line with the term gambling. Because gambling always implies money being passed, right? And betting for me is the same way, except it could be any currency. How would you make Wingspan a betting game? You bet on how many birds of a certain type you can get. I mean, you can make bets on anything. How would you bet on the life of Billy Kerr? Oh, I don't want to. That's already sad enough. Uh, We still need to finish all that game. But yeah, so I don't know if this is a productive chat or an entertaining chat. I guess we'll find that out later. But I like betting in games. I think it's fun to bet against your friends. I understand what you're saying, though. Like, betting and pressure luck are the same thing. Just betting has money involved or something that you can lose. That's kind of a way you can look at it, yeah. Okay, I understand. Yeah. So... I think betting is a good thing to have in games. Some games, it's fun. I Honestly, my problem is, is I'm blanking on games that have it because I don't feel like it's as common as you would expect for how popular something like poker is. See, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like the dice element, but a lot of things that have dice, I see as betting games because you're, you're continuously rolling your dice for points. It's like a strike. Like you can keep going, keep going, keep going, get more points or be the last man standing. And I see that even though it's not currency, not points that you're betting, you're still kind of betting points. You're betting your status in the game. I guess. It doesn't fit my definition, but that's your definition now. We have set lines now where if I tell Haley, I'm going to buy this game, it's all about betting, she's going to go, are there dice? (laughs) (laughs) No, we have different definitions of it. So I guess you can kind of take from those two and think about what she's saying, think about what I'm saying, and see what fits best in your definition. But I'm right. And that can change your outlook on a few games. Be like, oh, well, this game kind of is like you're betting on this or that. Or change your outlook on a few games and making them betting games. Anything can be gambled on. That's, that's just life. Which is why it happens all the time. There's basically a whole Office episode dedicated to that. That's true. To see if like Creed would eat the potato rather than the apple and so on and so forth. Yeah. See, in that case, if there wasn't money involved, they wouldn't be betting on it. They wouldn't be gambling anymore. It would just be, hey, let's see. You know what I mean? Unless they're gambling something else. Yeah, but if they weren't. Can you gamble bragging rights? If that's something you and your friends consider valuable, sure. I think that's the thing. It has to be a currency of value. And if bragging rights is something of value, then it can. Then all of our games are betting games. That's not true. All of them. (laughs) Anyway, hopefully that made sense. Talking about betting and it's and how games are or aren't betting. 
that went a totally different direction than I planned it initially. That's fine. I think it, it was a fun conversation. It really did, but it was interesting. I want to hear your opinions too. We should start a poll. Start, uh, yeah, just do like a little Twitter, Twitter uh, poll, uh, like a Twitter thread, and see what people say. A roly poly. We can do that at Malthouse Games, M A L T H A U S Games. But yeah, so we like betting in games. There's not many games we have that are traditional definition of betting. Maybe Haley's wonky definition. But in terms of a traditional definition of betting, there's not a lot that I can think of offhand except for Raw kind of has it. And I really like it. So I enjoy that. I think that that actually opens us up for a great transition, though. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special, Pint Size Question. Tell us about your gambling experiences. Yep, that was my transition, saying that it opens us up for a great transition. I'm glad you caught that, because I was going to just use that and be like, this is going to be the worst. Let's do it. (laughs) I mean, it was, but... It's fine. But yes, we just were going to have a question of the episode of, what is your favorite gambling experience you have experienced? Can I tell three? If you make it fast. That's what she said. Okay. (laughs) So... My very first gambling experience, it was my 18th birthday, and we go to church. St. Matthew's, not St. Matthew's, it was uh, Queen of All Saints in Sarah, America. We go to church. We're at a church by 9 o'clock. My dad drives me 40 minutes to the casino in Clinton, and we go gambling on my 18th birthday. That was experience number one. Experience number two, this is like 20-year-old Haley. I'm not quite old. No, 21-year-old Haley. I'm, I'm just old enough to drink, just barely. And my friend Christina and I would drive 45 minutes to the Hinton Casino on Ladies' Night on Tuesday nights, get $10 in free play, cash it out, and get free ice cream and make an ice cream float in a little styrofoam cup. And then we drive to the bar and use that $10 free play as money. Third experience. I took my grandparents and Allison, Malthouse Games' number one fan, to a show of the uh, Million Dollar Quartet. Uh, it's like a, it's not the real Million Dollar Quartet, of course, because Johnny Cash and Elvis are kind of dead, and Carl Perkins too. Uh, but it was a, or and Jerry Lewis, they're all dead. I'm sorry. But it was, what do you call it? Like a tribute show? Like a cover in, band. In the Hinton Casino. And so we all go, we get there, Grandma and Grandpa have a hamburger, Allison too. We go see the show, we come out, and I'm waiting around for Grandma to get out of the bathroom, and they start a karaoke show and somebody sings the Pledge of Allegiance for karaoke. This was not a let's start karaoke. This was this guy was singing the pledge, saying the Pledge of Allegiance as part of karaoke, and he got a standing ovation. I don't know if he won or not, but I just have to say that that was my three most favorite gambling slash casino experiences. Wild. Wild times. Super wild. Uh, I lived a wild life, man. I think so. I don't have three. Because casinos are fine, but the one big one that I remember that was like the most entertaining for me and the most exciting was for one of our friends, Andrew's bachelor party. Woo, Andrew. Me, me and the guys went to Kansas City and took him to one of the big casinos there in Kansas City. And in Missouri, the casinos are able to use dice for craps. And in Oklahoma, they have to use cards. Well, my friend Kyle. He deals craps here in Oklahoma as well as blackjack. So he was teaching me craps and letting me watch it, which was awesome to see because, my goodness, craps is a whole other level of game because it takes five people to work a table. Five people at once, and all these people making bets. to work a table? Yes. That's wild. 
one person in the middle handling, handling nothing but chips, two people taking bets, and two people were like exchanging chips and doing other stuff and moving dice and, and the bets. And it was just, it was wild. And they all trade places after so long. Crazy. But it was fun to watch that. And then to watch Kyle lose a large amount of money and then come back in one hand of blackjack and make mo- like, uh, I don't know, 30% over what he originally had. I think you told me about this. Like you started off with $350 and like he ended that hand with like 700. Yeah. Like it was a big increase because you, you told he me lost, about that. Cause it's because he started with a lot, lost a lot. He started with like 700 bucks, got down to 200 was on and been playing this one table and it was me and then Andrew was playing very small because that's expensive and me and Andrew had our cigars that I went and bought us for his since he was getting married and we were smoking cigars having a drink and Kyle was playing and uh he ended up having some situation happen where he split his hand into two separate hands with separate bets because there's a whole thing where that can happen and he ended up winning and coming out with like 900. So he came up 200 over his original from the beginning of the night. Jiminy Christmas. But he deals blackjack. He knows the game. He knows how it works. And it, he was the only one at the table playing. So it was him versus the dealer, which I know can be more difficult. But it was great to see. And he was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> but it was great. It was really fun to see. So not necessarily my gambling experience personally, but getting to see and be there and witness some. I guess I should say like my very first gambling experience, the one that I actually gambled on because I didn't gamble whenever we cashed out or didn't gamble, um, whenever we saw the Pledge of Allegiance being used as karaoke. My very first gambling experience, my dad gave me 20 bucks, lost it all the first machine. My dad took 20 bucks, came out with like $300, didn't give me any of it. It was my 18th freaking birthday, and I walked out broke. That sounds right. It was great. Uh, but I know why I don't gamble. I know. I don't gamble because it's expensive. Usually if I go, it's like I'll take 20 bucks, and if I lose it, I lose it. If I win... I cash out at 50% increase. That's my rules. I'm not opposed to that. So it's simple, but there we go. But that's our gambling experience. So hopefully you enjoyed hearing about that randomness. I feel like this episode's been kind of random, but it's also like it's late Saturday night. We've already had a couple drinks before this beer. You took a short nap. We had a really big dinner of pizza and our bellies, my belly's so like bloated. Now it's time for a bubble bath. Ugh, I just need to sit down, not in the computer chair, just like chill. But yeah, it's been a good day. It's been a good afternoon. Hopefully the podcast has been enjoyable. Please, please, please make sure to go follow us on social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. If you have a game you want us to look at, a topic to discuss, or a question to answer on the episode, or any kind of questions, comments, concerns, things of that nature, please send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. You can always find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. And you can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. At Squirrely Geek. That felt slow for some reason. S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That was way too fast now. S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That was still too fast. I don't know. Some reason it hit my ear wrong. It probably isn't. It's probably just the beer and the whiskey mixed. E-L-L-Y-G-E-K. Are you from Savannah? Thank you again for listening to episode 68 of the Malthouse Games podcast. Be sure to tune in two weeks from the time you listen to this or two weeks from Sunday, whatever, for episode 69. Which is about communism. Which is going to be a communism-themed episode talking about a communism-themed game of some sort no, to be determined. No, about four of them. Oh, are we just doing a blowout? 
We're doing a blowout of the commies. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we're okay. We're going to do that, I guess. So keep an eye out for that to hit your feed. Keep both eyes out. No, just one. No. Yeah. They need a comrade. They need a comrade? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is there anything else we need to bring up? I don't think so. I think that that's going to do it. So thanks again for tuning in to the Malthouse Games Podcast. Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.